0: So as we are starting this study on the I Am's statements of Jesus, we we start back at the beginning and understanding the name of God and how Jesus relates with the name of God. So we begin first in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, where the name of God is originally given and is revealed to Moses. For a little bit of context, as we walk into our passage here, Moses has spent the better part of 40 years uh, in the wilderness uh, along with, or, or with his uh, father-in-law Jeth- uh, Jethro, and he is w- watching his father-in-law's flocks. And he came to Mount Horeb, and this is the scene of the burning bush. This is where we're walking into. So we pick up in verse 13 of Exodus chapter 3. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. So from here we see our first point, I am who I am. I am who I am. That was God's initial response when he asked, that you, the people of Israel are going to say, what's God's name? What am I supposed to say? And God's initial response is, I am who I am. Well, what is going, going on here? The I am is essentially understood as the divine name of God. This, is, But what is being used here, this is the Hebrew verb, for to be. Heya yeah, is essentially the, the infinitive form, to be. I am is that first person singular of the verb, and it is the name God uses to refer to himself. When he is speaking of himself. Oh, to, to quote the song, me a name I call myself. Okay. When God is speaking of himself, it is, I am. This is the first person form of that verb. The divine name that we know and typically hear is actually found in verse 15, in in Exodus 3, verse 15. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the Lord there is either is probably italicized or it's in all capital. It's not italicized. Excuse me. It's probably in all capitals. Maybe a slightly different font. The Lord here is he's giving as the name to give to the children. The Lord, God of your fathers, and he's qualifying it there. The word that is rendered rendered Lord in all capitals is likely the third person form of that verb and is written with the four consonants that we would transliterate to y h w h Now written Hebrew did did not and in some cases from from what i was seeing this week does not include vowels the, the vowels are simply supplied when spoken or read aloud or when when the Written word is being read. Now, the Jewish people held the name of God in such reverence that they did not speak the name of God aloud, even when reading the scriptures aloud. They were concerned over violating the commandments of Exodus 20 verse7 of taking the Lord's name in vain, or of Leviticus 24:16 of blaspheming the name. From this concern rose the practice of pronouncing, pr- pronouncing the name Adonai, which is a totally different word, and it essentially means Lord or Master, but they would use Adonai in place of the name, even if the name is what is written there. Now, Jewish scholars, excuse me, uh, over time, the pronunciation of YHWH was lost, though most understand the pronunciation to be Yahweh, or Yahweh. The Jewish scholars of the Middle Ages would mark the consonants, YHWH, with vowel signifiers reminding the reader to pronounce Adonai instead of the name written. And over time, as YHWH appeared with these vowels, the vowels of Adonai or Edonai in a, ver- a version of the word w- were-, were combined, and a version of the word was created by a Latinized pronunciation, Jehovah. Now, when the Bible was beginning to be be translated into English, the English translators continued the Jewish tradition of translating YHWH as Lord in all capitals, sometimes as God in all capitals, to set it apart, to to distinguish the divine name from other uses of Lord, capital L, small O-R-D, which would be Adon Adon or Adonai, and God, capital G, lower O-D, which would likely be Elohim. So the, the English translators still do that. Did that, and mo- just about every major uh, Bible translation in English still carries that. Occasionally, if you have a Holman Christian Standard or a Christian Standard, they might actually put in Yahweh instead of Lord in all capitals. Just to let you know that the name is being used here. In the Old Testament, Yahweh is is used well over 6,000 times. Most of those being translated Lord in all capitals, and a little over 300 of them being translated God in all capitals. So if your Bible is capitalized, and most do, capitalize LORD in all caps, it's like 6, 000, some 6,000 times that that is, that that is a reference to the name of God, that the name of God is being used. So that's a little bit of history and understanding of what we're talking about and kind of where the word and what the word is in reference to. But what does I am tell us about God. What does God reveal about himself in this name? When he tells Moses, I am who I am, what is he revealing about himself? He's revealing that at least a few of his attributes. He is revealing a few of the things that are so essential to his makeup that if it was to be removed, he would not be who he is. First, we see that he is self-existent and eternal. I am who I am. God's name chiefly expresses that he is the self-existent one. It's translated I am who I am in most versions. It could be translated I am that I am, I am because I am. It It is that remarkably simple statement, that simple sentence, I am. He is the self existent one. He was not conceived or born. He was not created. He did not become or evolve. He always is. He had no cause. He had no beginning. He exists dependent on no one and nothing except himself. To paraphrase the Lord's statement in Exodus 3, God is, because he is. God's name expresses his eternality. God is eternally present, and all things are eternally present with him. In Revelation, John records as a common description of the Lord, who was, who is, and who is to come. Revelation 1.4 and 1.8. And chapter 4, verse 8. But God sums this up in his name, I am. There has never been a time from eternity past, nor will there be a time in eternity to come when God could not, cannot, or will not be able to say, I am. It also reveals that he is omnipresent. It expresses his omnipresence that he is everywhere at all times. David expresses this well in Psalm 139 verses 7 to 10, where he writes, where can I go from your spirit? Oh, where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Where can I go from your spirits? Where can I flee from your presence? He is always present. He is always there. We need. We need should be careful how we... Express when we discuss the omnipresence, this is he is present, but that just because he is always here doesn't mean he is in the wood or in nature. He is that is that's pantheism. God is he is a spirit and he is always present, and he is present everywhere in his full essence all the time. So God is expressing in his name that he is the self-existent one, that he has existed and will exist eternally, and that he is always present. But how does this relate with Jesus? How do we make the connection into the New Testament with I Am? We're going to spend a lot of time in John. We're going to look at, I'm going to, we don't have to turn to every passage. I'm going to reference a lot of passages. I'll read a number of them to you. But we're going to be, be in John. Uh, if you want to go to John 8, probably where we will camp for a little bit. Now, in John 8, verse 58, Jesus very clearly says, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus has used the divine name personally. So there in that verse, we see that Jesus is, I am. Jesus is, I am. Now, there are several things we should, we should touch on. The New Testament makes uh, application a number of times between passages in the Old Testament that are very clearly ref, uh, referenced to or the use of the divine name of the Lord and then applies that information or that passage specifically and clearly to Jesus. And we're going to look at some of these expressions. One of the first ones is 1 Corinthians 10.9, and Paul is recounting here uh, examples, events from the book of Exodus, from the Exodus journey, and the wilderness wanderings as examples and warnings to the Corinthian church. And in 1 Corinthians 10.9, Paul tells the Corinthians not to Put Christ to the test. Some translations will say not to put the Lord to the test. Paul Paul references the incidents concerning the fiery serpents. But there's an allusion to an earlier complaint from the children of Israel in the wilderness of sin about the lack of water. And this was found in Exodus 17, verses 2 and 7 and there Moses warns the people about testing the Lord testing Yahweh First Corinthians 10:9 reads this nor let us tempt Christ as some have also tempted as were destroyed by serpents and you see the reference directly to the fiery serpents of of numbers 21 but there's that allusion to testing or tempting the Lord from Exodus 17. Paul has applied the testing of Yahweh by the Old Testament Hebrews in Exodus and Numbers to testing the Lord Jesus, that the Hebrews were actually testing Christ in the Old Testament. Another, uh, Another example of this is John 12, verses 37 to 41. And referencing Isaiah chapter 6. Now in John 12, uh, we see John 12 verses 37 to 41. Uh, Jesus has made a prediction of his death on the cross, and many were not believing many were not believing Jesus I'll start here in verse 37 but although he had done so many signs before them they did not believe in him for the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spoke lord who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the lord was the arm of the lord been revealed john quotes from Isaiah 53 there then in verse 39 he says therefore they could not believe because Isaiah said again He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I should heal them. That's a quote from Isaiah 6, I believe verse 10, or or verses uh, 9 to 10. And then in verse 41 of John 12, he writes, These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Isaiah 6 is the section where, where is recorded Isaiah's vision of the Lord, the vi- his vision of Yahweh on his throne, full of glory and power and majesty. And Isaiah receives his calling as prophet to Judah. And part of that calling was what John quoted there in verse 40. Go
1: and harden their hearts.
0: Go and keep telling them, but they will not listen; they will not hear and in john twelve forty one John is very clearly assigning the vision that Isaiah had of Yahweh on the throne in isaiah six to Christ He has assigned that vision of the Lord in his glory to Jesus. John is saying that isaiah's vision wasn't just, to say it this way, wasn't just of God, but very specifically, it was a vision of the pre incarnate Christ. There are other, other places. Matthew 3, verses 1 through 3, in referring to John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching the wilderness of like Judah and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Matthew there is establishing who John the Baptist is in relation to the prophecies of the Messiah. John is that voice crying in the wilderness that was prophesied in Isaiah 40 verse 3. Now, Isaiah 43 says that the voice cries out to prepare the way of the LORD, in all caps, to prepare the way of Yahweh. So John is preparing the way for the LORD. And Matthew is assigning the name, the divine name, in that prophecy to Jesus. The New Testament writers are continually Applying these Old Testament passages and uses of the name the Lord to Jesus. Another one that I found very interesting this week was Philippians two nine through eleven, in comparison to Isaiah forty five verse twenty one to twenty three. Now in Isaiah forty five, the Lord Yahweh is speaking and prophesies of a day when every Knee will bow and every tongue swear or confess allegiance to him. Philippians 2 9 through 11 shows us that Yahweh of Isaiah's prophecy is actually the Lord Jesus. Listen, Isaiah 45 verse 23 I have sworn by myself. This is the Lord speaking, I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall take an oath. Philippians 2, 9-11, to therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Christ Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul's very has taken and alluded to that Isaiah forty five passage And applied it to this great christological passage of exalting Christ and seeing that Christ is exalted. Another one is Joel two thirty two with Romans ten thirteen. Now in Joel Joel two, though contextually is very, uh, focusing on the end time and is focusing on the kingdom and the millennium, says that whoever calls on the name of Yahweh, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved, will be delivered. Paul quotes that verse directly in Romans 10.13 as part of his explanation that it is calling on the Lord Jesus who saves. So either we have a contradiction here between Joel
1: and Romans, Paul was making things up, or... Yahweh is Jesus. Another passage is Psalm
0: 102 and looking at Hebrews 1 10 to 12. Now, Psalm 102 uses the divine name, uses Yahweh eight times verse 1, verse 12, verse 15, 16, 18, 19, 21, and 22. So he is very clearly the object of the of the passage. And in verses 25 to 27 of that psalm, to describe the Lord, to describe Yahweh as the eternal creator. But Hebrews 1 shows us that Psalm 102 is actually a messianic psalm, a psalm referring to the Messiah, and applies verses 25 through 27. These verses of Yahweh as the eternal creator to Christ. Hebrews 1, beginning in verse 8, But, he, but to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Here's our verses, ten, beginning in verse 10. And you, Lord, you, Yahweh, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you fold them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail." Hebrews 1 is, direct, is looking at how Christ is better than the prophets, how Christ is better than the angels, and the writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm 102 and applies those verses of Yahweh being the eternal creator and tells us that Jesus is Yahweh who is the eternal creator. So he, that is a number of passages where the New Testament writers apply the name of Yahweh, the name I am, to Jesus. But Jesus also uses I am personally. We're going to try and quickly walk through seven instances that Jesus has recorded that Jesus has recorded of using the divine name for himself. And some of these instances were clearly recognized by his audience. Others seem to have been a little ambiguous, and his audience maybe didn't quite hear it or catch it. But the way John recorded it makes it seem rather clear. First is the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well in John 4. John 4 24 to 26. Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman. He says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. That last word, he, is italicized in most, in most uh, translations. It's italicized because it's not there in the Greek. It had to be added by the translators
1: and editors. Jesus was
0: not just identifying himself as the Messiah that the woman brought up, but used the divine name. We've talked about, I've brought this up a number of times. In the Greek, it is expressed, ego This verse should read something like, I am is the one speaking to you.
1: He makes a similar statement to the
0: disciples in John 6, verses 16 to 20. This is shortly after the feeding of the 5,000. The twelve are in their boat a few miles out on the lake. And evening comes with a strong wind. Picking up in verse 16. Now then, when evening came, his disciples went down to sea, got in the boat, and went over to the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose, because of a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, Do not be afraid. Now, the it is I makes sense in English. That's how we would probably express that in English. It is I, you don't need to be afraid.
1: But what is recorded
0: is I am, do not be afraid. What is recorded is ego emi I, I am, do not be afraid. Jesus is, again, using the divine name, and he uses it three times in John 8 with the Pharisees. Now, John 8, we see, we'll see we see reference to it in verse 24, verse 28, and verse 58 that we read earlier. Now, John 8 contains a long dialogue of controversy with the Pharisees. They are going back and forth with Jesus. Verses 12 to 24 is a dialogue about whether, Je- about whether Jesus' claims are true or not. That Jesus says he was sent by the Father. Jesus says that he would be leaving soon, that they could not follow, and the Pharisees wonder if he's going to go kill himself. Jesus replies by saying that he is from above and not from this world, while they are are from this world. And then we pick up in verse 24, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins guess what? He is italicized again. Now, could it be reference to, uh, a refer- referring back to a specific uh, title or person? Yes, but the way that it's expressed in the Greek is, if you do not believe that I am... You will die in your sins. The dialogue continues. They want, and the Pharisees want to know exactly who Jesus claims to be. Answer, and he answers that his claim has been the same since the beginning. And there's a lot of things that he can do and could judge, but he could not judge right now because he needed, he needed to declare what the Father had given him to speak. And he says then in verse 28, Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up, signifying how he was going to die, signifying crucifixion, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. Did you hear it again? When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Now, this could refer back to that title, Son of Man. But again, he is added in English. The way it's expressed in the Greek is, you will know that I am. He uses the word, he uses the name again. from verses 29 through 59 is just way too much to unpack in the time that we have. But the controversy continues and goes down. And in verse 53, they ask Jesus if he thinks he is greater than the patriarch of patriarchs, Abraham. Jesus says the Father is the one who glorifies him. And that these religious Jews don't know the Father, though they say that he is their God. Jesus continues that Abraham rejoiced to see the day of Jesus. Thinking he's going crazy, that he is speaking of personally knowing Abraham, who's been dead a long time, and Jesus is not quite yet 50 years old, he's 33-ish at the point, they ask how Jesus could have seen Abraham. Have you seen Abraham? You're not yet 50. You could almost hear the patronizing tone when you read the verse. And then in verse 58 is recorded one of the most clear declarations of Jesus' deity in the New Testament. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was,
1: I am. There's no he to be added there. And you
0: see that he just expressed his eternality before Abraham was. Not before he died, before he was. Before he was born. Before he was the patriarch. I am. This time it wasn't lost on the Pharisees. They knew exactly what he just said. Because in verse 59, they start grabbing stones to start tossing them at him, to throwing it at him. Because in their mind, he just blasphemed, and to fulfill Leviticus, he's to be stoned. Jesus, it says Jesus hid himself and makes his way out of the table. It wasn't lost on them what he said there in verse 58. He also uses the name around the time of his betrayal. In John 13, in the upper room after Jesus has washed the feet of the twelve, before Judas leaves for the betrayal, Jesus instructs them again about being a servant and that he is about to be betrayed by one of them. He says that the scripture is being fulfilled as one who eats with him will betray him. And then we come to John verse 19 in John 13. Now I tell you, before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. He again is added. It is again in italicized. It is not there in the Greek. Jesus was telling the twelve that while he was, is the Messiah, he is more than just the Anointed One. He is the Son of God. He is Yahweh in the flesh. And then in the garden in John eight eighteen verses 5 through 8, when Judas, and the, when Judas arrives with the temple police and a few soldiers, Jesus asks who they are seeking. And in verse 5, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he had said to them, I am he, he drew back and fell to the ground. Excuse me, they fell back, and they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. Jesus asks who they are seeking. They respond, Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, I am. In verse 6, it's repeated. And in verse 5, 6, and 8, the he is all added in the English. Now again, these could just be referencing, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Well, I am him, I am he. But there was something else going on this particular time. The construction has been the same in all of these instances. Ego, me. Verse 6 says that Judas and the mob with him fell back to the ground when Jesus said, I am. There is more to what is going on here. That statement that Jesus made in verse 5 clearly was one using the divine name as there was some added power to his statement, causing, to to that statement, expressing it, causing the soldiers to fall to the ground. One source I looked at said that uh, sinful men were forced to their knees before I am.
1: Verse, verse
0: 8 He re- is just him reiterating the truth, going over it again. But here he very clearly expresses his deity and his power. There are, we're not going to look at them now, but there are seven other instances in John where Jesus uses the same construction and, G- and he uses the name. These are known as the great I Am's of John because they are tied to the seven miraculous signs of Jesus in the book of John. They're not, not all of them are directly tied to their sign. They're actually kind of spread out through John, but there's the seven names given and the seven signs that prove, in John's writing, prove Jesus is God. These seven great I Am's is in John 6, 35 and 48. I am the bread. I am the bread of life. John 8, 12 and chapter 9. And again in 9, verse 5, I am the light of the world. In John 10, 7 and 9, I am the door. John 10, 11 to 14, I am the shepherd. John eleven twenty-five. 25, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, 1 John 15, 1 and 5, I am the true vine. We're not going to unpack
1: those today. But those are the ones that we're going to continue to unpack every Lord's table.
0: We're going to look at Jesus' use of these and what they're presenting, how he's presenting himself with these statements. I know this morning was a little less
1: expositional and a little bit more theological.
0: But we need to do that sometimes. and We need to have a base. When we look at John 6.35 and we talk about Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, there's, there's more to it than this. We need to understand why this is such an important aspect for him to claim, I am. I would even hazard, I should have said this earlier, I would even hazard to say that most, if not all, visions and representations of Yahweh in the Old Testament is likely the pre-incarnate Christ. Let's close with a quick word of prayer, and I will uh, have the men come forward for the supper. Father, we thank you for the time that we are able to look into your word and to see these truths. And while this is a little bit different study in understanding, uh, in understanding so a thing, a name, a title, your name that is throughout Scripture of how you have presented yourself and how Jesus has pre- presented himself in in the New Testament. We thank you for how these things all tie together. And as we look forward to spending some time looking at very specifically spending some detailed time looking at seven of these instances of Jesus using the name help us to gain better understanding.
1: And while we, we say and we believe that Jesus is God, that he is the Son of God, he is God the Son,
0: help us to bolster our faith as we look at these passages. We thank you for recording them in your Word, so that we would know the truth. Because it is through your word that you reveal yourself to us so that we might
1: know you personally.
0: We thank you and we praise you and we pray these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.